On this week's show, down but defiant, we hear from Dover Athletic Chairman Jim Parmenter after the inevitable was confirmed. We were served up a uh, pretty impossible task by the FA and the National League at the beginning of the season. We've done our best. A massive win at the bottom of the Isthmian League. James Rogers reflects on High Town's victory at Whitstable. It's sort of like six, three, six pointer games in a, in a row. That get, and if we can get some points from these next two games, it, it pulls us away. Is the great escape on? Lordswood manager Richard Dimmock feeling good ahead of their big game with Tower Hamlets. So we've just got to come Saturday, be focused, do what we're good at and uh, hopefully come away with three points. And this weekend is non-league day. We get the inside track on the day from founder James Doe. I'd like to think that, yeah, non-league day will have a big impact this year and I know some uh, club uh, officials were very disappointed and we haven't held them in the last couple of years. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, sponsored by Nick Culling on Plumbing and Heating. Another massive week across the county with managerial changes, relegations, cup semi-finals, goals galore and more. We've got four interviews coming up for you and we'll be trying to make head or tail of most of it over the next hour or so. As always, I am John Phipps, who this week did a Gerard and went to bed at 9pm one night. And I've got to be honest, it felt good. And on the line now is the man whose team were relegated for the first time in 17 years at the weekend. It is, of course, Matt Gerrard. Relegation aside, how are you, mate? But I bet it did feel good going to bed at nine. But it was warmer in bed than it would be sitting on your sofa because of the heating. It's the future, going to bed at nine o'clock. I'd had a few drinks as well, so that did kind of help <laughs> me along the way. So, that, Were you hungover there? Were you a bit tipsy? No, I was fine. I was fine. I was just, uh, it was, it had been a long day and it work hard play hard and uh, so we'd had a we'd had a long day on the friday a long day on the saturday and and then when all the guests were checked in on saturdays we went down the pub and uh not, nothing on the telly so we just uh, went to bed and then slept right through till i had to get up in the morning to work so it was did quite you nice feel good, though? you felt good yeah i did actually yeah and, and it's, it's 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 so hard i tell you honestly with 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 this lifestyle i've, I've not what had time, to be what up time do you have to get up every morning well, this is the thing. Most days, it's probably around, it's between six and seven. Yeah. And bear in mind, it's seven days a week. Um, and I've, I've not had to be up since Monday. And every single day, I've been I've been awake at up past six. Yeah, yeah. My but body I mean, clock is just telling me I've got to get up early and I, and I don't like it. So, so a few beers in, is that your fine ales you've eaten? Is it, drunk as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a nice bar bill. Let's say, let's just say that I had a nice bar bill. So yeah, I had a few drinks, and uh, yeah, just said, no. Do you know what? I'm just going to go to bed. So I did. I went to bed, and uh, yeah, slept right through. I slept like a baby. It, it is the future. Well, I've been telling you that for a long time, mate. When the clocks go back. That's a little bit difficult. It might be spring. forward when it's that clock. Sorry, clock, spring forward, fall back. When the clocks yep. go forward, you lose an extra. That's bad news for you, mate. Losing an extra hour. Well, so. yeah, it's a bit of a blow, but. I, I was saying this to some guests last weekend. I was like, you know, I have to remind everyone when they get here on Saturday, and don't forget the clocks change in the morning. But in this day and age, I think there is absolutely no excuse for not knowing what time it is because, you know, it's not as if it's all just like, you know, wind up clocks or anything. Everyone has got a phone. A lot of people have got watches that automatically update. So there's absolutely no excuse for anyone turning up an hour e- wrong either way for their breakfast as far as i'm concerned and anyone who you see on social media saying oh god you never believe it i slept in you've got absolutely no excuse get sort your life out you've got a phone 
and don't try and be funny with it. <laughs> right. So some guests, will there be a guest on Sunday who comes down at 10 thinking it's nine and they miss their breakfast? I, I, I doubt it, um, but we shall see. But I will, I will remind them. Uh, and that I just have to be on my toes, don't I? So, you know, the only loser here is me. I mean, I feel like I've started this show with an absolute rant there. And I, I'm, I'm not in a bad mood. I'm absolutely fine. I just, uh, I was just a bit of a... I've had another beer, mate, as well. Oh, Christ. I thought, uh, I thought, so I've had another so beer on a went well, midweek school night as well. So, yeah, I'm uh, happy-go-lucky. As soon as this is finished, off to my bed. So what an evening I've had. Well, exactly. And we've managed to get it done a bit earlier this week. So it's close to your bedtime as well. So exactly. so, so this is done. That'll be it. Clean me teethy pegs and off I go. Wow. It's our 208th show this week. And discovering the unexciting news that numbers of Peugeots were just model numbers. And then they stuck on the idea of keeping the zero in the middle. Uh, I'm going to ignore them this week. So I will tell you that 208 is a happy number. Uh, and there was a band called 208, who, and I bet this bugs the hell out of them, averaged 205 listens a month on Spotify. I really hope that they get those extra three. It, it sounded okay what I listened to, but the production could be significantly better. I mean, sometimes the production on this show could be better, but trust me, their music on Spotify sounded like they've been doing that, like they were in some sort of washing machine or something. Can, can we um, uh, go on? Or can we be on Spotify Daily Podcast today? Yeah, we we have been on it. Um, I don't know if we, we are anymore. Yeah, so we, we changed our, our hosting company last week on a trial basis, um, and I'm kind of sticking to see how it goes uh, over the next few weeks. But um, at, at the moment, um, if you do have any problems, do let us know. Uh, but I think I managed to sort out all the teething issues that I had last week, and I will keep an eye on everything uh, as we go along. But yeah, we, we, we're trying to do a few different things and, and, and see what happens. And uh, But yeah, so far, so good, I think. Um, well, Talking about new things. Because I'm, you know, I tell I like Popmaster. Yep. Could we do um, a quiz like Popmaster? We wouldn't do it live, but I would get a listener. We do a question, and at the end of maybe the start of next season, start of next season, we have a competition who knows things. So we think of some questions about non-league football, football in general. I think that do you think we could do a quiz? People would be interested in the quiz. I don't know, possibly. I mean, we did our we did our two hundredth episode quiz, which we had a, a few responses for. But you know, I, I think a lot well, of our listeners to do it. I could we could record them if they're on WhatsApp yeah. and get them on. So I could, you could be Bradley Walsh one week, and I could be Bradley Walsh the next week. So and we could even get players involved if they wanted to do a quiz. So yeah, some question about yeah. So if anybody's interested in doing a quiz, I'll do like a quiz. We think of some questions on the scale of Popmaster. So if you don't know Popmaster, go to BBC Sounds and it's like that. So we could have a year question. A specialist round. Yeah, bonus questions. Yep. So, yeah. So, if anybody's interested, we've got to think of questions, but we could do that, couldn't we? Possibly, yeah. Back, well, I, think, Kent, I, I think a lot of our listeners, Matt, just enjoy listening to us. They don't need to listen to other people. That's true. Well, that's true. That's true. But maybe I just wanted to do a quiz because I quite do it. But there you go. Your well, lockdown quizzes were, were very, very good. I did enjoy them. I, they, were, they were good fun. So, yeah, uh, so yeah. yeah, it might be difficult getting loads of questions about Kent sport, Kent football. Yes. Uh, on with the show then, let's start with the news from Crabble, where the outcome of the season for Dover that pretty much everyone was expecting from the moment they were deducted those 12 points was confirmed. The Whites have been relegated, still on minus four points and with 11 games still to play. A return to National League South, eight years after they were promoted, is now on the cards and after the game, Matt spoke to Whites chairman Jim Parmenter. I think it's been confirmed for a, a long time, Matt, to be honest with you. I think it, you know we, was, we were served up a... Uh, 
a pretty impossible task by the FA and the National League at the beginning of the season. We've done our best. Um, Could you have done more on the field? I don't think we could have done more given the the, uh, the budgets that we had to work with and the, the fine we had to pay. I think uh, we've been drastically unlucky in some games. Um, I, and I just think it was inevitable and I think we've we've gone down fighting. When did you think it was when we spoke in October you thought you might be able to get out of it? Have you, were you resigned before the ball was kicked before the start of the season? I wouldn't say I was resigned before the, a ball was kicked but, but you know it, anybody could see that, uh, that the task we had was pretty tough. Um, I took the decision that we were going to um, live within our means this season. We weren't going to throw money we couldn't afford at trying to combat the uh, the points deduction and the, and the fine that we had we uh, we spent what uh, what we could afford we've we've bought a lot of young new players through and you know that's that's looking bright for the future so what is the future for Dover Athletic next season conference south no guarantee you're going to be bouncing back uh, is there plans have been put in place for next season oh yeah we've been planning for the potential of a, of a relegation for for some time and uh, yeah we'll be we'll be uh, we'll be changing things around um, we'll be making a few announcements on Tuesday at the meet the manager and chairman evening uh, about how we're going to approach things. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be there to compete in Conference South next season. Will Andy Hessenthaler be in charge of the club? Yes, he will. And has he confirmed that for next season? He has confirmed that for next season. Yeah. And what sort of um, budget will you be a bigger budget than you've had this season for next season? Well, we won't need it because uh, the budget that we've had this season is would be in the top. 20% of the South. I mean, people have to understand that the amount of money that's needed in this league now is makes makes it uncompetitive for teams like Dover. I mean, you've got you've got teams coming down two a year with a million and a half quid parachute payment uh, in their back pocket. Some of these bigger clubs are getting five to ten thousand crowds. Uh, they've got big catchment areas, big conurbations around them. They're taking, you know, they're taking lots of money. You know, we're working with uh, with a crowd of even when we're in the doing well in the national league, maybe 1,100. We've got 180 degree catchment area, and you know, we've never had a parachute payment in our life, which I think is probably the biggest evil that's ever hit football and certainly the national league parachute payments. Do you think Dover can get back to play at this level, or Conference South is the level they'll be playing at for the next few seasons? Well, unless there's an investment, I mean, to, to win, to compete in the National League now, you need three to four million pounds. What about the National League South? How much money do you need to compete in that? I, I would say that a play, the average playing budget I know in the National League South is, is little more than 350 to 400,000. So that's, that's about half what our playing budget would be in the National League. But uh, our, our playing budget in the National League is nowhere near big enough um, to compete with the big clubs. Do you, is it the aim to get back to this level, though? Well, like I said, unless there's an investment of, uh, of a considerable amount of money, and we, we've got to compete with the multi-million clubs, we've got to compete with the with the relegated clubs with the parachute payments um, and the big crowds. Uh, unless we there's there's a big investment in Dover, I think it's going to be very hard for us to get back to the national league. Because the main thing is, is winning football matches and bringing the crowds back. Well, to be honest, I'm quite looking forward to it. You know, local derbies, there's some great clubs in, in the south, there's some great clubs in Kent. Um, you know, we need to get some enjoyment back into the game and we need to get some uh, some uh, crowd involvement. We need to get some local involvement in the game. You know, too long we've been travelling the length and the breadth of the country um, on reduced budgets, um, trying to compete with, you know, uh, the, the likes of Stockport who, who are paying half a million pounds for a player. Um, and, and, and we can't do it. We just... Uh, we just it, it's stupid of us to throw money at trying to do it. I mean, what's the point of spending a couple of million quid to finish bottom half of the National League?
I thought it was on quite good form there, Matt, to be honest. Certainly more upbeat than many chairmen would be after relegation. It sounds a little bit like he's looking forward to getting back on a bit more of a level playing field. Of course, there was a meeting on Tuesday night, which Jim did mention there. Any of your sources got back to you on that one? Um, basically, what they seem to say, that they're going to reduce the price. I think the budget will be very competitive for Conference South. Only Ebsleet maybe have a bigger budget. Um so, but again, that all comes down to Andy Hessenthaler bringing in the right sort of players. And I think the academy boys will be given a chance next season, but he's got to um, put other players with that as well. So he's staying, Andy Hessenthaler. Some people, some of the fans are not particularly happy. Part of me thinks maybe a split from both parties would be good, but we've got to back the decision. Um, and I think Andy Hessenthaler's got a point to prove, which I think he put in himself. It hasn't been the greatest season. And he's the man to take Dover forward next season. There's absolutely no guarantee um, that they're going to be successful. But it can't be any worse than this season. And I have to say, when I drove out of the ground on Sunday, uh, such a season, um, I think, oh, I really felt I've had enough of this season. Up to that point, I really, you know, get a bit of enjoyment. But it was so bad on Saturday. We were terrible. The Oval weren't much better um, from there. But... We'll have to go again and fingers crossed we can do it. But interesting point in that, he said that Dover couldn't compete. So they're not going to turn down promotion if they get it next season, are they? But they could be a bit of a, a yo-yo club. You basically like your Orchingham's, your Wildstones, just sort of surviving as much as you can. I think the thing is, though, if you come up and you're on a high, you can carry that on a lot easier than if you're on a low, which obviously Dover were at the start of this season and their league positions had got progressively worse since they got up internationally. A couple of things from that interview with Jim, uh, really, Matt. He said that he thinks they that Dover have done their best on the pitch. Now, I mean, I've seen the results and it doesn't really add up that even though, even though you had 12 points deducted, you've got eight points all season. And that, to me isn't doing your best. You know, I, I think that, that they could have got more more points than that. They should have got more points than that. Um, it just hasn't worked out. And, and you know, with what they're saying about the budget for next season and how it's going to be in the top few in that division, I'm sure some money has been saved on on, on this season. And the players you can get in at that level will, will probably be, be better. You may be able to get players, you know, Jim said in there, didn't he? Like all those long trips and everything like that. So, I think it might work in, in Dover's advantage. It might get some better players back in the squad. But to say that they've done their best, one win all season. Yeah. Um, the league table was a night. Um, some games you thought, oh, we played all OK. But how many plays, games have we played? 34, is it now? 33, 34? Probably five or six. We've probably got to get something out of it. So the league table doesn't lie. We've got, you know, no real quality in the team. Um Apart from the goalkeeper, who I really like. Um, yeah, it's just been a dreadful season. First relegation in 17 years, you said. Yeah, I remember the team that got relegated then. Um, but the concern is, when you speak to Yeovil, and again, Yeovil, you know, they were banging on about, oh, this league should have three um, sides promoted. They weren't saying that within the Championship, were they? Because, of course, they're desperate to get back, and they're going to struggle because they've got money worries themselves. So, yeah, Dover have got to avoid like a Yeovil and South End have done, where they get relegated and relegated again. Problem is next season, if Andy Hesitalo starts off badly, say they first five games have only won one, 
which would give him more points arguably than they've got the whole of this season, people are <laughs> going to be putting pressure on him. So it, it's a difficult one. Um, I think Adi Estola would, would be under pressure. But if they can get the sort of feel-good factories, and as my mate said, you know, it'd be lovely to beat Hamill Hempstead 2-0 at home. And that's what people want, really. You, you don't, if you, it's a bit like Gillingham, you know, not talking about Lee, but, you know, that everybody who hated the club, the chairman, the new manager comes in and everybody's on a high again and all the problems are sorted. You win football matches, this season will soon be forgotten. But Dover have got to get in the habit of winning football matches and they need to, and he I think, admits, he's got to use the money he's given a lot more wisely than he has done over the last couple of seasons. I guess for him personally as well, you know, it's one of those situations whereby he he will feel that he he wants to perform. He did well in his first spell at Dover. He did well in his first spell at Gillingham. But after that, he, he'll probably look back at his managerial career and think it, it it's not been the success that it might have been. Uh, and I, and I guess for him, you know, this is probably his last chance to really go out there and and build a promotion winning team again. And I say this a lot, but quite exciting really for Dover at the start of the season because you can go into it. Completely blank canvas. As we say, no players uh, are under contract at all for next season. So it could be absolutely no one. And Chris Kinnear always used to build a good squad with absolutely no no grounding at all. So uh, but I think it's a, an interesting challenge. And like you say, that the only thing will be if, if they have a slow start, then it's going to put a lot of pressure on Andy Hesson Tyler. And then likewise, the pressure on Jim Palmer, because obviously they've got a very close relation, working relationship. They, they've worked well for a few years now, they've been through the, arguably the toughest time that the club's been through. And and so they've kind of stuck together and there will be loyalty from both sides. But as you say, if there is a bad start to the season, then that loyalty is going to be severely tested. I, I think, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I think the first few weeks of the season are going to be absolutely crucial for Dover. See how they cope with this league. Will they be a big fry? Um I don't know. It's interesting to see where they can get players from. So, But somebody said, again, um, they need a spine of the team. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he brings in. You can't rely on the kids now. And if, if, if what Jim Palmer says, the budget's going to be high, they should be challenging at the right time if they get the right players in. And the thing is, with, with the admission that the budget's high, there is nowhere to turn, is there? No, 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 exactly. Yeah, no, he's, um, he puts the, um, he's put his neck, neck on the block. And again, from, a, from my point of view, if Dover just won a few games, got to the first round of the FA Cup, and then we got the enjoyment back, that will be half the battle. So um, I think that's what it is. I'm not, I'm not expecting them to bounce back at the first time of asking, because as we'll see in the Conference South, there'll be two teams got up, but half a dozen teams who could go up, arguably at the moment, are not going to go up. So it's a competitive league, and people want to be in the National League with all the issues that they may have. Someone who does want to be in the National League, I suppose, is Bromley. But their run without a league win has extended after they drew with Wrexham on Saturday for defeat to Yeovil themselves on Tuesday. They're still 10th in the table, but their playoff hopes are no longer in their own hands. Either way, pretty much as we said last week, uh, they've got to start winning games soon and at, at Wealdstone on Saturday, uh, for example. Do- Dover, meanwhile, head to Wrexham on Saturday, which I am sure is a game the Welsh side may well be expecting to win quite handsomely. Dover are 20 to 1 to win that game. I wouldn't really? say that's long odds, but you can get 14 to 1 in the UK to win Eurovision this year. I mean, last year we managed to get no point. Although, to be fair, Dover would be bloody delighted to get no points, wouldn't you? Very good, mate. Yes. I, I, I think it would be a major shock. Did you know, did you know Wrexham? Wrexham are in the middle of a 10 game period. Guess how many of those games are at home, John? Eight. Nine. Blimey. 
nine games at home in that ten. I think there's going to be eight thousand there. Oh, would I fear? I would probably fear that it could be a long afternoon for Dover. Yes. Um, as I always like to say, that twenty to one. If you don't know how betting works, if you put five pounds on Dover to win that game, you will lose five pounds. What a shock it will be if that. Well, that's why I am. I don't think I'd be putting any money on it, but, but well, they've got to go from the, the following where they've got Kings Lynn. Under what odds they'll be against Kings Lynn when they play them? We shall find out. Uh, on to National League South now, where the race to replace Dover is hotting up, and Maidstone United have moved into pole position after they won 2 1 at Braintree, or Dorking were held at home by Hampton Richmond Borough. The Stones are two points ahead at the top, but there surely, Matt, will be plenty of twists and turns to come. It's an amazing league, this one, isn't it? You're looking at how it goes. Maidstone, down to 10 men. Great result against Braintree. Showed a little bit of character. Dorking have dropped a few points in the last... Only one win in four. Um, Maidstone have sort of bounced back from that defeat against uh, Dorking. And I think, probably, I think there's a sec- they've lost their last two away. So it's a big result from there. Dartford still... You know, if Dartford win their game in hand, they're only four points off Dorking. Of course, Dartford have got to play Maidstone. Ebsleet probably still think they've got a chance as well. And of course, who they've got this weekend. Probably if, if Ebsleet lose this weekend to Dorking, maybe their chances are gone. But Maidstone in pole position now. Um, can they do it? They've got a very, very good chance. Um, there's going to be some more twists and turns in this division, though. But crazy, crazy division. I say your Eastbourne boys doing well as well, John. So you could have one of the Kent sides travelling to Eastbourne or playing Eastbourne. Absolutely. They've won a lot of games in a row, Eastbourne. As you say, they're Dartford and Ebb Street, third and fourth in the table. Uh, the darts were held 1-1 at home by Eastbourne Haven at Waterlooville on Saturday, uh, while Fleet won 1-0 at St Albans. They're nine and ten points behind the Stones, respectively. They've got a game in hand, so it might just be a step too far. But as Matt said there, Fleet are home to Dorking this weekend. If they win that game, then they, they will think they're right back in the mix. But obviously, if Maidstone win, then that will keep Maidstone even further at the front. So, as I say, there's so many twists and turns in this league and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to call it. But I think it's pretty safe to say that at least two Kent teams are going to be in the playoffs. Surely we can bet on that. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I definitely think, it, 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 well, clearly I, I would say it's a four-horse race. If Ebsley can beat Dorking, brings them back into it. If they lose, they could be out of it. But yeah, Maidstone, I don't know, I don't know who Maidstone's, um, I have to check Maidstone's fiction list, but they're in the habit of winning games, top of the table. They'll be roared on by big numbers at home and away. Um, they've already sold out their allocation when they played Dartford on Easter Monday. So that's a massive game as well. So really, yeah, interesting time. So Maidstone fans at the moment, they're in pole position. Just on Maidstone's fixture list now, actually, Matt, as, as we speak. Uh, they've got four games at home to play. St Albans, Havenham, Waterlooville, uh, Chelmsford and Hampton, Richmond Borough. They've also got... Uh, to go to Chippenham, Dartford, Hemel Hempstead and Welling United. I don't think that's the worst run in no. in the world. Dartford uh, and, and maybe Haven and Waterlooville are the only teams sort of around that top area that they're going to be a bit wary of, I would imagine, aren't they? Yeah, yes. You know, long old trip to Chippenham. Chippenham are having a decent half season this season, but their form's not good at the moment. Don't know about Welling. Now they've got loads of new players in. Good result at the weekend. They want to move away from the relegation game, but Chelmford's fighting for their lives. Yeah. He's just got to, you know, keep doing what you have been doing or somebody else can come and pounce it. So, yeah, great great league, this one. You know, you, one stage you think somebody's going to run away with it, then it comes claw back in. And I'm sure this time next week we'll be talking about the same. If Maystone, Jordan, Dorkin win, they're going to be level on points. And then 
the goal difference is quite similar as well. So, yeah, really uh, interesting season, but great for Kent football. Yeah, looking at Dawkins running as well, it's almost identical. Not completely different teams they're playing, but similar sort of levels of fixture. So we shall see. As we say, Maidstone hosts St Albans on Saturday, uh, while Dartford go to Hampton and Richmond Borough. At the other end of the table, Warren Feeney made a winning start at home at Welling United as they beat Chelmsford City 1-0. And boy, they needed that win too, as blow them Billericay won again, meaning the gap remains just a single point. In fact, four of the bottom five won at the weekend, including Tunbridge Angels, who beat Chippenham 2-0. Uh, they're fifth from bottom, but they're only four points ahead of Billericay. Much like the top, Matt, I'm expecting a lot more twists and turns in the final eight, nine, or in Angels' case, ten games to play this season. Yeah, I think um, Welling has brought some load of new players in, Feeney. Brought in arguably the best player I've seen this season, uh, Marcus Sablia from, from Bromley. Maybe quite surprised Bromley let him go, but I think he's there till the end of the season but then probably come back for the playoffs um, really really like him as a player lovely culture midfield a good signing for Welling with them um, for them to get it in Depot scoring again yeah Warren Feeney's working his magic but that was a massive win for him at the weekend um, and they've just got to keep building on that and with Bill Ricky thing he could be Chelmsford struggling at the bottom I think they've lost six on the spin at least so looking at the form table yeah but a big win for Angels as well. They needed that. If they hadn't have won that, they could be second from bottom. But got the games in hand. But um, yeah, big win. Yeah, I just need to just keep going, guys. At the bottom of the table, Welling. If Warren Feeder gets that, gets them out of it, stay up, probably take the job. And Tunbridge Angels, they've had a great season, good cup run. Um, we'll move up the table as much as they can. A couple of wins, and they'll be away from it. So yeah, I think they're, I think they're, I think Angels will be fine. Just Welling got to keep that form going and. Hope other, other sides keep faltering. Yeah, I think Chelmsford are in a bit of trouble. And uh, I've said this before, I covered Chelmsford City for a couple of years uh, and really sad to see what's happening uh, there. And I know people are setting up a, a thing on Twitter, Claridge for change and things like that. Uh, all is not well at Chelmsford City and, and you kind of wonder if they're going to get out of it. Uh, you've got Billericay down there as well, but Welling have just got to uh, keep their powder dry this weekend. They haven't got a game, so they can only sit and watch uh all the action unfold around the Tumbridge Angels travel to Hemel Hempstead. So, uh, as I say, lots more to come at the bottom of that table. I'll tell you what, Matt, let's do this show the traditional way and we'll just keep heading down the pyramid. So our next stop is the Eastman League Premier Division, where on Tuesday there was a surprise change of manager as Cray Wanderers announced an appointment. It's a stonking one as their new manager is Neil Smith. But it came a little bit out of the blue with the former Bromley boss replacing Grant Basie at the helm, with Basie having been in interim charge for almost three months. Uh, Wanderers lost 4-3 at home to Bowers and Pitsy on Sunday to stay third from bottom. And while that should be enough for them to stay up, I guess they wanted to make sure firstly and secondly, if Neil Smith is willing and able to take on that job, who can blame Cray Wanderers for snapping him up? Yeah, it's we've heard that you know Neil Smith was linked with the Gillingham job. We all thought at one stage he was going in there. He's been linked to the Welling job. We thought he was going in there. Apparently he's been seen at Woking games and they thought he was going in there. And I was reading... Um, a forum before yesterday's announcement, and they from Aldershot, and they said, Oh, you know, we thought we'd seen him again. They wanted him to replace the current manager. And then he's turned up at Cray. Cray, um, you know, he knows the ground where they play. Um, it's a bit of a coup for them. It's close to home for him. I'm surprised he's gone in that level. But when if Cray could get their ground going, he's the kind of man to, as we said before, can galvanize supporters and galvanize people around the club. And that's what we've Probably will do, job we'll do here. See out the rest of the season, out, get them safe, uh, and then go from there. Um, it's a cracking appointment, 
and it caught us completely out of the blue as well. It did, and I mean, he did a really good job at, at Bromley, really. You know, he took over in 2016, he helped them establish themselves in the National League, he, he, he took them to Wembley, and I, and I think it's a real, real coup for Cray Wanderers. And I think, you know, he, he I think what, what they've done is actually very clever, because if you're a Bromley fan and you don't go away, or every other Saturday when, we're, when, when Bromley are away... Oh, Neil Smith's team's on. I think people will be going to watch them at the same stadium. I, I, I think people will get, really get behind them. If they're playing good football at Cray Wanderers under Neil Smith, then people from Bromley are going to be flocking there to go and watch him because he, he's a hero at Bromley. And, and I think it's such a sensible appointment for Cray Wanderers. And they're not over the line yet. But if they do stay up this season, then I've got absolutely no doubt that Neil Smith's Cray Wanderers will be very, very near the top of the Ismini Premier Division next season. Yeah, and I'm sure he can probably utilise his contacts at Bromley to get players in. I hope Bromley's released a lot of um, sort of loan players out in there, and I'm sure Neil Smith will be top of the list and Craig Wonders when they can do it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a good appointment. Probably could he have managed tonight? Yes. Craig Wonders getting to the new ground, galvanised, get more support him. Perfect, um, perfect choice, and we'll interested to see how he gets on. But yeah, I'm sure um, you know their side will be organised, resilient. Um, and when he can get his own players in, I'm sure um, interesting times awaits. But, yeah, the most important thing is them staying in this division. But, yeah, he's taken that job and good luck to him. Yes, uh, elsewhere, it was a poor week for folks in Victor. Uh, they shipped nine goals without reply. First, losing 4-0 at home to Chessant in the league, their first home defeat of the season. And then they lost 5-0 at Horsham in their Velocity Trophy semi-final clash. Uh, but while they didn't keep up their end of the bargain for the All-Kent final, Margate did. They won 3-2 at Haringey Borough to book their spot in the final, which we played at Averley on April the 13th. Uh, Haringey probably fed up with the sight of Margate, as Jason men also beat them the league on Saturday by three goals to one. Please, please for Margate getting the cup. You know, Margate, there's definitely a sense of goodness around the club. And getting to a final, Jason has winning a trophy. He's not, you know, he's just been a successful manager. Um, if he can get a trophy there... Margate, I'm sure the Margate fans will travel up numbers to Avely. They will be famous, uh, favourites, and I thought it was Horsham 14th. That was a bit of a shock losing Folkestone losing that game, I have to say. So, uh, disappointment for them, but delighted for Margate. Yes, big games this week as well. Uh, Folkestone, who are in the final playoff place at the moment, host the team directly below them, uh, Lewis, on Saturday. Margate travel to Bogner and Cray Wanderers at home to Kingstonian in Neil Smith's first game in charge. And then on Tuesday, and Victor head for a repeat at Horsham, second time in a week, uh, while Gate travel to Lewis. So Margate, 12 points outside the playoff places. But if they were to win those two games this week, th- th- they might still think that they've got a-, a chance, even though they'd only have five games left. Yeah, it's going to be tight for them, I think, on that position um, to get in there. But maybe they've got the momentum, back-to-back wins. Um, Folkestone, massive game against Lewis. Um if they can beat them, that gives them what a nice nine-point gap from the playoff position. Um, you thought that would be enough, but yeah, concerning that normally do not concede many goals at all. But yeah, nine in a week is not good for them. But just hope it's a blip. Uh, into the League Southeast now on our second interview of the week and another show debutant. Uh, Matt said last week that the game between Whitstable Town and High Town was one he would be keeping an eye on. And it proved to be a big big result for both teams. Hyde's 2-0 win moved them away from the relegation spots. 
Obertswell's defeat left them rooted to the foot of the table and prompted them to dispense with the services of manager Keith McMahon, replacing him with Andy Drury. We'll talk about that shortly, but first let's hear from the man in the other dugout on Saturday. Well, actually, that's a figure of speech, because as you'll hear, he was actually patrolling the midfield. It's High Town boss James Rogers, and I started asking him about that win at the Belmont. Yeah, it was a big win for us. Um, obviously, with us being in the position we're in, and, and themselves below us in that table, it's given us a bit of a cushion against them now. Um but it's so tight down there. Obviously, this week we've got uh, Phoenix away and we've got Lansing at home who are both below us as well. So, you know, it's it's sort of like six, three, six-pointer games in a, in a row. That get, and if we can get some points from these next two games, it, it pulls us away. Was it one of those where you looked at this little run of fixes and thought that's the time that we could really sort of make a move? It was, yeah. We've been talking about it as a management team. Um, obviously, our run over the last two or three weeks, you know, we've had teams in that top five. Um, they're obviously, they're all strong teams. Otherwise, I wouldn't be up there with the Haywards Heath, Ashfords, uh, the Hastings. Um, and yeah, they've, they've, we've given good games, to be honest, and we've, we've held our own against them. Um, but it, it was games we was going into that we weren't, if we got something from them, it would have been a bonus. Um, it was just we weren't expecting to go down and get wins, and but if we could nick points here and there, it would have been it would have been a bonus. But yeah, these these last seven games, um, obviously minus minus Herne Bay who are up there as well, they're against teams at the bottom. So yeah, they they were games that we were targeting to go and get points from. How hard has it been? Obviously, this is your first job in management, and and we know about the problems that Hyde have had. How difficult has it been? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of an eye opener to be honest. Um, obviously, it's it's not just been the money issues um, that have that have happened. Obviously, uh, when we took over, the, the budget was cut um, quite substantially. Um, but Hive Hive have been great with me, um, and they they've helped me out along the way and with bits and pieces. Um, but it, it's the injuries that have, have sort of taken its toll as well. We've lost. Um, I was out for a sustained period. Uh, Tom Winter got injured um, when we first took over in our first game at Lansing. Um, so he's been out for the season. Charlie Webster got a bad injury at um, Sitting Bourne, so he's been out. We've had Alex Brown out for sustained periods as well. So it, all in all, it's been it's been really tough trying to manage it. Um, we've had a few good players leave the club, obviously. Your friend Collins, um, Alex Fisher, um, Brad Schaefer. Uh, Nathan Gordon, you know, we've lost all these players that are, are experienced at higher levels. So, um, yeah, it's been tough, but uh, we've, we've enjoyed it, to be honest. You say you were injured, and obviously, I, I guess you still think you're one of the better players in the squad, but did it help you as a player manager to, to have a little bit on the sidelines? Um, it, it did a little bit. It opened my eyes, actually, to what, what was needed um, to sort of to get us out out of trouble um, uh, oh, I think I missed about seven weeks it, it began when I was I was playing for, for Steve Watt and then obviously it continued from when I took over um, but as soon as I was fit I wanted I wanted to get back out there um, but it's, it's it's difficult managing and playing at the same time it's been tough actually especially this last three or four weeks because um, you're, you're sort of you're you're not really concentrating on your own game as such. You're you're sort of like if, if your teammate's kicking the ball, you're kicking it with him because there's obviously the pressure come back comes back to you. Um, so yeah, it, it's been tough, but and yeah, it was an eye for them first three or four weeks where I, I couldn't play. But um, 
I think we've adapted well now um, and we've got a competitive team um, and, and that's shown from our results. Um, so yeah, we've, we've given the top sides a good good run for their money and you know, we picked up, we didn't play great at the weekend but we picked up the three points and that's, that's all that mattered. How does it work when you're on the pitch? Does someone else make the substitutions and look at things like that or are you sort of communicating somehow or, or what's it, what do you do? Um, so when I'm on the pitch, it's... <laughs> um, when we first started off, it, I sort of we were talking about it as as I was playing, and it was it was quite difficult. But now, obviously, you know, with with Tom Winter's experience in football, and obviously Will Graham, he's he's an A licensed coach. You know, they can see things on the touchline. If it ain't quite right, you know, I've got full full trust in them to make make the decisions whilst I'm out there. So, and, and that's how we've gone actually the last last um, four or five weeks that they've been making the, the subs and. If there's a change of shape that we need, that they feel, you know, they they can do that because obviously when you're on the pitch, you don't you don't see everything. So for them, yeah, they they've been making the decisions in in game at the moment. So if you were having a stinker and you thought you were playing really well and they hooked you, you'd be all right with that. Nah, they weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I've I've not been great actually last three or four weeks, and it's it's I think it's that's why I need to come outside. Um, just just to have a little look at of what's going on um, myself, but obviously with my experience and the situation we're in, um, I've, I've got to stay in there at the moment. So I'm hoping that we can get a couple of wins on the board ASAP and that I can come out for the rest of the season and see what's going on. You've obviously had a, a long, distinguished career playing in non-league in, in Kent and, and you've played for a lot of managers. So I guess that, that that's all helping. A lot of them still around. So I guess you can, you, you can you're probably on the phone to them all the time for, for tips and advice. Yeah, I've had, um, I've, um, I've spoke to quite a few of them actually. Um, Steve Watt stay, stays in touch quite a lot. Um, he, he's been really helpful actually. Um, and he's obviously, he's, he's had a great career and he, he's a great bloke and he, he's done well where he's been uh, managing and, and playing. So yeah, I've, um, I've lent on him. Um, obviously, uh, uh, people like Jay, I've not, I've not really spoke to a, a lot of the other managers to be honest. Um, from time to time, I have, um, but I've spoke to Tommy Warlow quite a bit, Ashford, and and um, yeah, so they, they they're all helpful. And and if you pick up the phone and speak to managers at these levels, you know, especially the Kent managers, they're always willing and uh, they're, they're helpful and they they talk and give you advice. So yeah, I've got I've got no complaints on that on that front. Um, I've got plenty of people that I can I can sort of talk to and. And, and yeah, they're they're helpful. And even if they're in our league, you know, they're they're still helpful. So it's it's, it's quite nice. It's quite a nice environment. What's the sort of long term uh, synopsis, I suppose, at Hyde? We've we've seen about the financial problems. It, are you already thinking about next season? Are you going to be there next season? What's going on? Um. So next season, uh, we've I've, we've had informal chats with uh, with the board. Um, Obviously, we're we're hoping that someone comes in um, and injects a, a bit of money, obviously, um, so we can increase the budget. Um, and at the moment, they're they're quite hopeful of that happening, but it's it's obviously it's not certain yet. But if if that happens, um, you know, I, I've spoke to Martin, the chairman. He he wants us around next season. So um, it, it, for me. Everything depends on budget and timing, you know. Because if if we get in a budget a month after the season finishes, and then you're trying to scrape a team together, and players have signed for other teams, for me, it's it's just defeating the object, really. Um, you know, you want to get your you work done early, and 
you want to know where you're at, at least the bulk of it. Obviously, you're not, you're not expecting to sign your whole your whole team within the first two or three weeks after the season. But the the, the bulk of it and the core you you ideally want in place. Um, so it it depends on on budget and timing, to be honest. But um, you know the hive hive board and the people down there they're they're great. Um, you, you can speak to Steve Watt. He's, he can't speak highly enough of them either. And um, they're they're always communicating with me. And yeah, I'm I'm hoping that that something can be arranged and uh, we we can push on next season. Uh, and just finally, obviously, the, the most important thing first is, is to get the job done this season. Phoenix on Saturday, and then, as you say, Lansing. If you win those two, I think you can, then you can, then you can probably give yourself a rest. Um, I think so. I think if we win them two, that will take us to thirty nine points. Um, and I think with the four games we've got left, I'm expecting us to pick up some points as well. So I'm not, I'm not uh, being overconfident or or. Um, getting ahead of myself but yeah I think that two wins are, and I think that'll be us over the line then um, but you've got teams below us that are winning at the moment you've got Seven Oaks who have picked up um, obviously they've got a new manager and you know that normally happens when a, a new manager comes in so they're on a high at the moment um, you've got Lansing who beat Ashford no, no it wasn't sorry sorry it wasn't Lansing it was Phoenix that beat um, Ashford 2-0 a couple of weeks back and they went and lost four 4-0 at home to Chichester so it's um, there's teams down there that can pick up points so yeah we've we need to keep doing what we're doing and picking up points I've been quite happy with our form over the last um, 10 games I guess uh, we, we have picked up and uh, performances have not always been rewarded with points but yeah obviously Saturday at Whistable we were poor and we, we got the points so that's what it matters and as long as we get the points on on Saturday at Phoenix and then the following Saturday against Lance and I'm not really fussed about the performance to be honest Interesting chat that one Matt and although obviously it's been a bit of a baptism of fire for him in his first managerial George it sounds to me like he's really enjoying the challenge Yeah I've never really thought that James Rogers when he would, would become a manager when I saw him from there but as, he, as you've said in there he's played for probably one of the most successful man, um, one of the mo- he's probably one of the most successfully decorated non-league player in Kent over the over the last 15, 10 to 15 years, because he's won every division. He's got promoted into the National League. He had a good spell at the National League with Dartford, a little spell with Dover when he was there as well. We've left over from there. But yeah, and he's learned a lot of that, played a lot of, he must have played four or 500 non-league games. So he knows the, knows how it works. Um, and I thought he'd come across really well in that interview as well, of how he's sort of privileged to hold that role and he wants to continue it. And he admits, He's thrown at the deep end, you know. You know, Pep Guardiola would struggle to manage Hyde at this level, wouldn't he? Getting players going, and how you, you know, it's very easy to manage at the highest level with loads of money. He's gone in there, just using his contacts to bring players in, and I'm sure, you know, as he said in that, didn't play particularly well, but he would have been buzzing after that win against Whitstable. Poor old Whitstable, um, on a bit of a slide, but a um, massive win for that. And I'm really pleased for James Rogers because we've seen this before, you know. Jay Saunders, Steve McKim um, come up from those levels and carried into management. And you want more players that continue at this level as well, as we talk about Whistler in a minute. Really good to see that old wizened pros or old wizened players are willing to carry on and, and join the managerial uh, rat race. And I'm delighted for James Rogers because he's a bloody nice bloke and he came across so well in that interview. And Hyde have got a good one there. And I think it was nice what he said about Steve Watt. Steve Watt had to leave. 
but he's still been advising them. Yeah, really, really, really good interview that. I thought um, he came across really well and I think Hyde have got a good run there. Yeah, I enjoyed the bit where I said, you know, if, if you were having a stinker, would they take you off? He went, they wouldn't dare. Yeah. But I, yeah, but I think that's the kind of thing that you want. And and it's really interesting when he says, you know, I, I really, I feel I'm such a key player, but I, I want to get a safe so that I can take a step back and look at what we need and start thinking ahead. And, you know, it's it's quite refreshing, really, to, to hear someone, you know, young to be managing, but he spoke so well, so eloquently. And I think he knows what he wants. And I think if I can get that little bit of investment, I think that, as you say, they've got a good one there and he wants to be part of growing this team. He's, he's, he's come in, weathered the storm, found it tough at the start. He's focused on these fixtures against the teams in and around them. It's paid off so far. And if they can just get those two more results and move away from the foot of the table, then they can start planning ahead. And I think they've got a real opportunity to, to do something there as long as everything off the pitch starts working out, then I think, as you say, James Rogers will be the sort of man who will take them to, to another level, perhaps. Uh, it's probably interesting, well, that he, you know, he, he, he knew straight away who the games they've had to play. I don't know if he, interesting enough, if he was a player, was he one of those who looked forward to games, oh, we've got this coming up, that? Probably, probably not, but now he's a manager, he's looking ahead, what he can do, who they've got left to play. You know, I think he said, oh, if we could win these two, we'll get to 39. So clearly, you know, he's been studying that league table and see where he needs to go. And he's probably right. He knows two more wins out of the games, they're going to be, should be okay. And I think it, with all the problems they've got, and he says if they can get investment, it was so interesting what he said there, you know, next season, he doesn't want to be, you know, making up the numbers again. He wants to be successful. So he, he knows the players he could bring in. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think Hyde will be absolutely delighted with how it's going. And what a win that was against Whitstable. And I feel sorry for Whitstable though, because, not looking too good for them, is it? Well, no, it's not. As we've already said, they've got a new manager in the shape of Andy Drury. It just never worked out for Keith McMahon with the Oystermen. And the club obviously decided it, was, it wasn't going to get any better. Uh, I don't know if they acted a little bit hastily, um, because surely they might think that they might be thinking ahead to next season already. Uh, and Keith McMahon would surely have been a good option in the Southern Counties East League if that's where they end up. And I also think for Andy Drury, it's a tough gig because... It's going to take something really special to not get relegated this season. And then he's going to start, if he doesn't keep them up, he's going to start his managerial career with a uh, with a relegation. And I understand he's already been looking around and, and much like we've seen with a couple of other clubs in, in recent weeks, I think you'll see some new faces in their team uh, on, on Saturday when they return to action. But And it's an interesting appointment. It's a good appointment. As you said, you know, you're seeing these younger men coming through and, and, and carrying on and giving something back to the game by being managers. But I just don't know if the timing is right for, for, for anyone, really. But first and foremost, we've spoke to Keith McMahon a couple of times on this show, uh, and a real shame for him personally that it just never clicked at Whitstable, did it? Uh, nothing. Um, um, I suppose he came in with Lloyd Blackman left. And it sort of, again, COVID hit. Lloyd Blackman, you know, we thought was doing a Decent job. He decided to go. Keith's come in. Very experienced manager. It's level just results in there. You look at the players. Some of the players they've got. They've got really good players. Then, you know, Tom Mills, people like that, who was sent off in the game. But experienced players who play the play at that level. But just, just on the bit of a doubt, the Dell the drums, little Dell drums at the moment for that. And Andy Drew will go in. I don't think how much he's, I think it must be transfer deadline day coming up, John. So he hasn't got many, many days to bring players in. I'm sure his phone. He's been absolutely red hot the last couple of days, seeing what he can do bring players in. But 
they need to pick up some wins and something. And they'll be hoping for the new manager bounce, definitely. But otherwise, they'll be heading back to the scaffold. Yeah, I, I think the transfer deadline is, is is very, very imminent. And I know there has been, uh, a, I've heard of some moves that are going around and no one's really sure. So there isn't a lot of time to, to do this. And, and obviously they are adrift at the foot of the table. And, and, and I just wonder what it's the remit is. fun going down on two on this. We don't know. Is it one and the playoff? It's going to be two. And then with the playoffs, it will be, so the, the third from bottom team, I think there'll be six, eight. Oh, yeah. There'll be eight across the country, and I think the top two with the best points per game will not have the playoffs. So the bottom two will be relegated in that division. Um, right. So it, it's not looking good for Whitsable, is it? Let's be brutally honest. I'm just going to call up the league table in front of me now. Yeah. Uh, they're seven, seven points. points away from the playoff spot. Yes, they've got a game in hand, uh, but they're going to have to have quite a run of form uh, in, their, in their remaining games. Just looking at their fixtures as well, they've got to go to Hayward Heath. Uh, they've got to go to Corinthian and they've got to go to Ramsgate. Now, that's three very tough games, two teams that are chasing for the playoffs and one team who who, who are in an absolutely brilliant run of form. Uh, then they've also got to play Whitehawk, Chichester, Faversham and Lansing. So the home games are a little bit friendlier. Uh, I could see them picking up points there, but it is just a matter of, of, of where they whether they can get enough points to, to get as high as they want. Because the other problem is obviously that the teams above them, Seven Oaks are, are, are in half-decent form. So... You know, they've got to be looking at getting probably eight, nine, 12 points, perhaps, to, to get themselves out of this. And, and I think that might be a, a, that might just be a, a step too far. But you never know. It might be the most inspired appointment and, and the best uh, comeback we've ever seen in, in football. We don't know. Is he managing? We don't know, I suppose, do we, about um, if he's going to if he's going to be a manager, uh, if he's going to play as well, Andy Drew. I don't know how many games he played at um, Folkestone. Um, was he at Cray earlier in the season as well? Yeah, he was at Cray with Danny Kedrow, wasn't he? So, yeah. well, um, he's, he's been around. He was, he was at uh, he was at Sittingbourne. He's he's from this area, isn't he? So yeah. he's returned to his to his roots. Well, again, another football man. He's had a decent football league career. You know, we think it's a tough ask. He might think of it. Oh, this is going to be easy. So, um, you know, we've criticised clubs appointing managers and have to uh, eat our words. So it's good to see Whitsman have given somebody a chance, and I'm I'm sure. Um, he'll be looking forward to it. Um, and, and he's probably seen a lot of things in football, so nothing will probably faze him. Yes, and massive good luck to Andy, of course, as he starts his managerial career uh, at the weekend. Elsewhere in that division, Herne Bay missed a chance to go third on Tuesday night as they're beating 1-0 at Faversham. A disappointment for Ben Smith's side off. They've kept the pace up with a 6-1 win at Lansing on Saturday. Ashford held to a 1-1 draw at Sittingbourne. Cray Valley won 3-2 at Hayward Heath. And Ramsgate lost 2-1 at Whitehawk. So the race for the top five is very, very close. We've got Ashford in second on 62 points. Ramsgate and Cray Valley both have 59. Hayward Heath have 58 and Herne Bay have 57 with six games left to play. Elsewhere, Corinthian made it three wins in a week as they beat Faversham 3-0. Seven Oaks beat VCD 4-1. Phoenix Sports lost 4-0 at home to Chichester. This weekend, Ashford are at home to Chichester. Corinthian hosts Burgess Hill. It's Faversham against three bridges. Whitster will go to Hayward Heath. There's a massive game in the playoff battle as Herne Bay hosts Cray Valley. VCD travel to Lansing's. We've already heard it's Phoenix against Hythe. Ramsgate take on Sittingbourne and Sivan Oaks travel to Whitehawk. And Whitehawk then host the Kent side for the third time in 10 days on Tuesday night when they take on Faversham. 
uh, into the Southern Counties East League now. And while things are starting to open up for the top two, it now looks to be two from three at the foot of the table to go down as Rustall, Lordswood and Tower Hamlets have cut adrift from the rest. At the middle of those three have had a wretched season in truth, but on Saturday they won for just the fourth time in the campaign when they beat Beersted by two goals to one. They now face Tower Hamlets on Saturday in what must be a must-win game. So it seemed like a good time to catch up with Wood boss Richard Dimmock. Yeah, it was a massive win. I think every game's going to be massive now until the end of the season. How hard have you found it coming into Lordswood? Obviously, rock bottom of the league, but you, you picked up a couple of wins lately, so you've got to be feeling a bit, a little bit, a little bit brighter as we get head towards the business end. Yeah, first coming to the club, there was a very young squad, very young. Uh, I think the oldest player in the squad was twenty-one. So it's been hard. I'm not going to lie. There's seven days in for this player, seven players in for another player. I had a touch of bringing two or three with me from halls where I was managing. Um, but in the last three to four weeks, I've brought in a few experienced players and um, it's starting to come together. Obviously, you've got a big game on Saturday as well against the only team currently below you. I, I, I guess at this stage of the season, you've got to be looking at that as a, as a game you can't afford not to win. No, that's right. Um, I'll take every game is a must-win game, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, Saturday's out of the way. That's been and gone. We now focus this week, a really good training session, get ourselves focused for Saturday against home to Tower Hamlets. That's, again, not going to be an easy game. They're fighting the same as us. So we've just got to come Saturday, be focused, do what we're good at, and uh, hopefully come away with three points and chasing Rustle. Uh, and obviously, Rustle plays Sheffield United this weekend, so I guess you'll be hoping that, that they don't get a result. But it's, it's all focused on what you're doing, isn't it? To be honest, I'm, I don't care about Rustle and what they do. It's all about what we've got to do and it's all about getting as many wins as possible and that's not going to be easy as we've got Glebe away, Tunbridge away and Dill away in our next three games. So <laughs> it's a tough run but we've just got to take one game at a time. How tough is the Scaffold as a league when you come into it at the bottom as you have done? It is tough. It is very tough. But... Um, like Saturday, Beersted uh, a decent side there in the top 10. Um, we had a game plan of going and getting in behind them because our front four, we've got lots of pace going forward. Um, and it worked to a tee at the weekend. First 45 minutes, I don't think Beersted knew what hit him. Um, because the first half an hour, I thought we were brilliant. Absolutely said what we were going to do. Two goals after 25 minutes. We could have nicked a third right on half time. But, um, yeah, so the boys really worked their nuts off Saturday. And if you do that, you get your rewards. For a club like Lordswood, it's, it's very hard to compete with some of the big names that you've got in the scaffold this season, isn't it? It is very hard. Um, you've got the likes of Chat and Sheppy and Glebe. I've got fairly big budgets. Um, you've got some clubs that are not on budgets. Um, we've got a little bit of a budget. 
but yeah, it's, it's hard when you're up against big sides like that. Look at Lee Table, it looks like it's going to be two from three, so I guess you're just desperate to be the one that, that stays up. Oh, I am very desperate, but um, all we're focused on is ourselves at the moment and uh, take each game as it comes. But um, I'm very confident. I was confident when I came in and took the job. Um, confident on the way we play. Um, and if we do that week in, week out, and we put 110% in an edge game, I can't see why we can't do it. Lords of the club means quite a bit to you as well, doesn't it? It is. I was there for four four or five years as a player under Jason Lewis. And uh, we had a good Vars run a few years ago and got knocked out to Spellingmore. We went on and won it. But, um, yeah, it's always been close to heart. I've moved down that way now, so I live in, literally live 10 minutes down the road. And uh, when they phoned me and offered me the job, I, t- I just jumped at the chance. So I didn't want to see him get relegated. And I just thought I'd come in and do the job. And it's obviously working to a certain extent because you've got, what, more than a third of your points in the last four games. So so it does show that you were facing a big challenge, but you, you certainly seem to be moving in the right direction. Well, yeah. Um, I'm still looking to bring in another two players, hopefully this week. Um, once in two players over the line, then that's the squad complete and we can go on and battle in the last four, eight games, I think. So, yeah, I can't see why we can't push on and get a couple more wins. And I suppose, have you got a, a, a points target on mind or is it just taking each game as it comes, like you said earlier? No, it's, it's just take one game at a time. And uh, if we come away from winning that game, then that's a real bonus. Until Hamlet's just finally, obviously, play them Saturday. They have improved a little bit themselves, haven't they? Since Christmas, I think, and and so so you certainly can't afford to take them lightly. No, no, we can't take any game lightly in the Scaffold League. Um, but it's it's a tough league. Anyone can beat anyone on their day. Um, you just got to look over the season at some of the results, and. Uh, it's, it's just is what it is. But you're just going there on Saturday, and, and you'll just be trying, trying your absolute hardest to win the game. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have a game plan. My assistant and first team coach went and watched them the other week against Kennington. So there's a certain way we're going to get focus on in training this week, and hopefully work on that going to Saturday, and hopefully it works. Well, it's been a tough one for them, Matt, but two wins in their last four, and they'll be hoping to make it three and five on Saturday. If they do that, it would probably kill off Tower Hamlet's hopes of staying off, and then gives them something to build on for the rest of the campaign, doesn't it, Matt? Back-to-back wins would be absolutely crucial. It was a big, it was a decent result against uh, Beerstead in there. Tower Hamlet's going to be you know, struggling at the wrong end of the table. To be honest, we don't really... Well, Tower Hamlet's not in Kent, so we're quite happy for that they are struggling. But Richard's gone in there. Looked at it. Where was he? Said he was at Halls. Where was that? Where was he managing before? You know, uh, down in the. I think he was in the Kent County League. Okay. So he was. Okay. He was. He was down there. And then, but he's a former Lords of player. Yeah, I remember um, him. He was a player. Yeah, I remember him as a player. And he's got in clearly. He's got a lot of love for the club. 
again, confident in his own abilities, what he needs. He probably knows the level, what he needs to do. And as he said, he looks at some tough games to play, but all they can do is not worry about anybody else and see if they can get a thing. But again, when you've only won four games all season and two of them have been the last four games, you show you must be doing something right. And young squad, he's managed to bring players in, probably a lot of contacts in the game as well. So, yeah, it's a big game for them. This week. Did he say they've got Russell to play as well? They haven't, they? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I do have the fixing. No, they haven't got Rustle to play. Uh, but what is... I do have something uh, which is going to throw another hand grenade into this because uh, Dean at the Scaffold has done a fantastic job today. He's put, he's put a piece together explaining the relegation and promotion picture. Um, so something has been has, has been changed. Uh, the bottom team will definitely be relegated. And then 12 out of the 16 teams who finish second from bottom will be reprieved on points per game. At the moment, Lordswood's 0.516 points per game will not be enough to keep them up. However, Rustle's 20 from 31 would keep them up. So it's, it, it is that close. So look, if Lordswood were to win this weekend, I think they would actually move out of the relegation places because of teams elsewhere around them. Um, so it's just a matter, it's almost a matter now of not for Russell and Lordswood, both of them, not focusing so much on each other, but on actually what's going on yeah. up and down the country. So 16 leagues there, 12 teams are going to be are going to be reprieved. You've probably got a, a chance of doing it just as long as you can pick up a couple of results. Yeah, I think that's gets very, very um, confusing at this time of the season. So I'll have to read Dean's article from that. So, yeah. If you can pick up results again, of course you want to win matches at this level, matches at this time of the season anyway. But they come more and more important. Thinking right, could go down to the last game of the season. They thinking they need a draw to stay up. But whatever happens, John, they've got to beat Tower Hamlets this weekend, haven't they? Really, lose the Tower Hamlets, that will be an absolute body blow. I thought for their hopes. So, but he seemed pretty confident. He knows what they he, how they're going to play. Um, Tamlitz lost at least five on the spin, ends up with their form is. Only won three games in the season, conceded a lot of goals. You expected a lot of goals. Well, both sides nearly conceded 100, but they don't score that many. Be interested in a cagey affair. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed they can get a result there. And it gives that extra confidence and shows what a good job he'd have done if he picked up three wins out of five when, when everybody thought you know, they were dead and buried. Absolutely. It would be an incredible achievement uh, if he could keep them up uh, from there. At the other end of the table, Glebe beaten at home by Homestyle on Tuesday night, meaning there are now 17 points between them and Chatham Town and Sheppard United. The top two now need just eight points to be assured of finishing the top two. And that's only if Glebe win all of their remaining games. Uh, the winners of the league will go straight up with the runners up set to be promoted if their points per game is in the top 10 of the 16 step five leagues. Uh, I've done a bit of research today. The current 11th place league is the Northern League. North Shields are in second, but their current points per game would equate to 82 points over the full season. So if they carried on at that rate, they've got 82. Chatham and Sheppard have already got 84. So I think, and Dean's article backs this up, he says it's 99.9% that the both of them are going up. I, I think it might be 99.99% uh, that those two teams uh, will be going up, that, that they will both deserve it. And I think it would be... Uh, Absolutely fantastic. We tweeted that link out, so do have a look at it. Chatham left it late on Saturday before winning 1-0 at Tunbridge Wells. Uh, Chris Lowell scored in the last minute. Uh, a bit easier for Sheppard United as they beat Wellington 3-0. Warren Mafula with a hat-trick uh, 
Uh, we've already heard that Lords would won 2-1 at Bearstead. Deal Town needed a last-minute own goal to grab a 2-2 draw at Irith Town. Canterbury City won 1-0 at Fisher. Holland's Blair won 2-1 at Holmesdale. Chandler Kasai hit a hat-trick as Punjab United won 6-1 at K-Sports. There's been some worrying times for K-Sports too, as they said last weekend, that there are concerns over the club's future with their main backer set to pull out. Let's hope that something uh, can get sorted out quickly there. And of course, we'll keep you updated uh, on that one. As well as Glebe's loss on Tuesday, Hollands and Blair beat Wellington 4-1. Kennington overcame Dealtown 1-0. Tunbridge Wells beat Tower Hamlets 3-0. Uh, this weekend, Chatham hosts Fisher. K-Sports go to Crowborough. Dealer at home to Homesdale. It's Iris and Belvedere against Canterbury City. Irith Town hosts Punjab. Glebe at home to Beersted. Hollands and Blair meet Tunbridge Wells. We've already heard about Lordswood against Tower Hamlets. Rustall hosts Sheppey United. Wellington meet Kennington. And on Monday, it's Wellington against Punjab United. Tuesday, Crowborough against Sheppey United. Glebe against Dealtown. And Tunbridge Wells against Lordswood. Let's move very quickly over to the Combined Counties League, where the Beckenham goal machine uh, goes on and on and on. 88 goals uh, for them now. We talked about their 9-1 win last week. Since then, a 7-0 away win at Frimley Green. Uh, a 5-1 home win over Beck over Ballum uh, on Tuesday. They're just a point behind Walton and Hersham at the top now uh, with two games in hand. Jersey Bulls uh, played the same number of games as Beckenham, but they are now nine points behind. Uh, Beckenham go to third place Badshot Lee at the weekend. You'd think if they can get a result there, Matt, they likewise will be looking at the top two. And by the looks of things, that may well be enough for them as well. So, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's it, it's still one of those, but Beckenham, I'm sure, having spoken to Phil Wilson, and we had some lovely feedback from that as well uh, last week, um, but I'm sure that Beckenham are just focusing on, on doing the job. They still think they're going to win the league, but it looks like it's going to be the top two will be good enough for them as well. Fantastic. A gold machine as well. You mentioned about that. Don't, don't put stop putting the uh, putting the pressure down on the on the um, accelerator when they get in, try and finish these teams off. And they're, and they're doing that again. Good to see any news on that Jersey Bulls game. We don't know anything about that. Well, I hope the latest is now that the stadium won't be ready until the end of the season. Um, so I don't know if that means that they're not, not going to be able to play any more home games uh, this season. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. It's still penciled in, I think, for the same date. But th- there's no possibility of any supporters going to that game. So I don't understand how they can justify uh, what that we were talking about last week. So we shall see. Uh, in time but Jersey uh, doing all their, their troubles all on the pitch at the moment I mean they've still got an absolute gobful of home games left to play but that's not really going to make any difference because they've got a lot of ground to make up now I mean t- 10 points behind Wharton Hersham even with the two games in hand at this stage of the season when you've got as many games to play as they have it's going to be a tall order you would think uh, for them. I'm sure, I'm sure the media will soon be jumping on the Jersey Bulls when they're playing Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, and they'll be um, getting their publicity from that. But most important thing is that Beckham hopefully going up. Absolutely. A couple of the annual draws in the Scaffold First Division over the weekend, but goals galore everywhere else. Uh, Bryden Rapes hit seven against Staples Monarchs, while Greenways won 4-2 on Saturday and then lost 4-3 on Tuesday. The latter at Faversham Strikeforce, where for a brief while, the fourth Faversham Strikeforce goal was credited to a Mohamed Salah. It was later changed. It was in fact scored by Mohamed Ali. Uh, I don't think either of them were the more famous ones there, though. Uh, Stansfield have gone top of that table, meanwhile, after coming from behind to beat Westside 2-1 on Saturday. Uh, as always, the results and fixtures for the First Division can be found at scaffold.com. And of course, all those fixtures this weekend fall on non-league day. Uh, the annual event is back after a COVID-enforced break and plenty of our teams are offering reduced entry prices and other incentives to get people through the turnstiles on an international weekend. 
Non-League Day started in 2010, the brainchild of James Doe. And earlier this week, I was delighted to be able to speak to James. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been about two and a half years since the last one. Um, so, yeah, there's been a, a, this big gap in my life where uh, I haven't had anything to really plan for. I mean, we've had a couple of goes at, at sort of getting things going during the last two years. But, you know, there's always been a flare up of a new variant or something like that. And people within the game who I've taken advice from have said, no, it's not a good idea. We don't want big crowds coming in. Um, and yeah, so it's it's great that we've got this opportunity to have another go and relaunch the whole thing again. I suppose after two years, it's been very difficult for non-league clubs. It's, it's probably extra important this year. Yep, um, I hope so. I mean, I hope it will make a, a big impact. Um, I know that some clubs have really struggled in the last two years. And at the same time, some of them... You could argue have actually prospered because uh, some of the you know the big clubs have all been playing behind closed doors and and fans have been forced to go and explore some other clubs more local to them and, and I do know that some clubs have brought in new fans as a result of it but overall I'd like to think that yeah Monday Day will have a big impact this year and I know some some fa- some uh, club uh, officials were very disappointed when we haven't held them in the last couple of years. Generally speaking, on league day was something you came up with about what twelve years ago now. Yeah, that's right, twenty ten. Um, it was uh, sort of. I mean, I've always been into non league football since sort of the late eighties when I used to go and watch my local team, which are Harrow Borough. Um, and I sort of, you know, lost touch with them a bit when I left home and you know started started earning real money um, and started watching the bigger clubs. And then I was watching QPR on a pre-season tour in the West Country down in Tavistock. And it was a huge occasion uh, for the local club. There were adverts for the match all over town, even though it was just a friendly. And it was packed to the rafters. It was obvious what an impact the money from that game was going to make um, or was going to have on that club season. Um, and it also rekindled, you know, you know, my love for the game at that level. I mean, it brought back all the memories of, you know, I used to go home and away with Harrow as a teenager and it was just probably my favourite football memories. Um, and I started, you know, to go again. And, you know, a week or two after going to that Tavistock match, I went and watched Harrow in, a, I think it was a pre-season game. And I was struck by the fact that they were doing a fundraiser for new floodlight bulbs, which I thought would be a fairly routine cost for a club as senior as Harrow. Um, but it wasn't the case. And we weren't that long after the financial crash of 2008. And it sort of came to my attention that quite a few clubs were suffering financially. So, I don't know, I just had some sort of eureka moment that I saw that there was an international break coming up a few weeks later. Um, and all these you know, fans of the big clubs would be sort of washing around with nothing to do. England weren't playing on the day, um, which I think was the first time that had ever happened. I just thought, well, I'd set up an event on Facebook and just invite a few friends, go and watch your local team, do something different for a change. And, well, yeah, the rest is history, really. It, it went viral, and six weeks after posting that event, I had a, a national event on my hands. And I guess it's it, it's great for everyone, because it, in this current climate, while non-league clubs are a lot more accessible with the social media, so are the, are the Premier League clubs and everything like that, because it's probably easier to support a Premier League club these days because of the way that social media is. So I guess it still has real prevalence, non-league day. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'd like to think so. I mean, the clubs, I think, that that thrive at non-league level are the ones that have actually got a good social media operation. Um, you know, over the last 10 years, I've seen 
some real surge in support of certain teams who really engage with their community via that that sort of medium. Um, having a good working website, working social media makes such a huge difference. And it particularly, you know, if you're trying to bring in new fans from this sort of younger generation, which is absolutely essential for these clubs to thrive, then, um, yeah, they, they definitely need to do that. And obviously you see clubs doing special offers and everything like that. Have, have any particular ones stood out in your memory of, of, of great initiatives clubs have put on? Well, over the years? Yeah. Or this year? I mean, over the years, the most famous one or most eye-catching one was probably um, a club up in Suffolk, Bungie Town, who were giving out free mushrooms if you turned up. Um, because I think someone on their committee had a mushroom farm or something like that. And that, you know, that generated headlines literally around the world. I think there was, you know, newspaper reports in America and China covering that story. So, you know, the more eye-catching the offer, the more unique, the more sort of wacky it is, um, the better headlines you're you're going to generate. And, uh, you know, on that topic, I mean, I think probably the most eye-catching offer that I've seen in, in the Kent area this year would probably be at Ramsgate. Um, they're playing Sittingbourne on Saturday, which is a big game in its own right. But they're offering free entry and also a glass of Prosecco to every woman who turns up because it's Mother's Day weekend. Very good. They've been very good, actually, Ramsgate this season. And I think they've kind of really bought into it. And I guess it's... Where we are in Kent, you know, we've obviously got one football league club in Gillingham, but apart from that, it is sort of a real hotbed of non-league and, and they're all dotted all over the place. And, and our show does really well out of it. But it, it is that kind of thing that, that brings home the importance of non-league, isn't it? Oh, totally. I mean, I mean, Kent has got so much going on. I mean, this weekend, I mean, there's matches at every level. Um, I mean, you know, you've got... Maidstone United, St Albans, Ebbsfleet, Dorking Wanderers are probably the two biggest matches, I would say, this weekend in terms of uh, the level. Um, Folkestone against Lewis is another cracking game. Um, and, you know, Chatham, where it seemed to be a rising power in Kent as well. Um, and, you know, there's other clubs like Rustall and Deal Town who always are really up for non-league day and do amazing things. I mean, there's, there's so much going on in Kent. I mean, there's games all over the place. And, I'm, you know, I can't mention them all. But, you know, wherever you are in Kent, you will pretty much have something going on not far from you. And obviously there is the, the charity side of all of this as well, was supporting Prostate Cancer UK. And I guess that's an important thing that it's not just about going to the game, but it's also raising awareness of a very important charity. Well, yeah, I mean, they are official charity. We've worked with them for a good few years now. I mean, we, we partnered with some other people originally who didn't really get the event. They weren't you know, really into football. And then we worked with another football charity, but they were too small to deliver really on a national level. And, you know, Prostate Cancer UK have got this sort of history of working with the EFL and all sorts of other football groups. So it was a natural fit for us. Um, they really get the day. They, you know, they understand it. They, they're big enough to be able to take the, the day on nationally. And, you know, they've, you know, thankfully raised thousands of pounds over the years. And, you know, got, you know, the awareness out of it for the, for the disease. I mean, we've got the risk checker, which they've launched a, a few weeks ago, sitting right in the middle of our website, which I would urge any of your listeners to have a click on and, and have a go at. And uh, because, you know, loads of men have gone undiagnosed over the pandemic. So it's it's really worth having a go at that. And of course, our listeners all know about the joys of non-league football. But if there is a, one on the off chance who isn't a, a, a regular non-league supporter, what's the one thing you love the most about going to a non-league game? Well, I think just the, generally the accessibility of it. I mean, it's so much more affordable. You get really close to the action. You can move around. Um, you, you know, if you've got kids, it's it's fantastic. My daughter is, is nine. And, you know, I took her to QPR yesterday. She's confined to her seat. 
um, she doesn't really enjoy it that much. Whereas when I go to non-league, she can potter about, do her own thing. It's just accessibility and affordability and, you know, just the community side of it that's really, really great. And, and just finally, James, what's you done a little bit of research? If I was to say to you, you've got to go to a game in Kent on Saturday, where would you be heading? Well, the ones that, yeah, that I've, I've mentioned, for me, I would probably go to that Ramsgate one because, you know, that it's a really good sort of, I mean, it's a Kent derby. Um, the two sides are going for promotion or certainly a playoff spot. And it's free entry. And if you're a woman, you get the Prosecco. So, you know, what, what's not to like? I mean, Matt, we love non-league football, so it's not really a day for us. But it's great to see that this weekend, people who might not be fans of our levels of football are going to be coming along to watch games. And hell, Matt, some of them might even find a new podcast to listen to, eh? Well, yeah, I have to say it was nice of him. Yeah, again, it's good that he's he's done something to back in. And again, he didn't really enjoy the, uh, you know, fell out of love with it within the, the Premier League. Interesting, when he said he took his daughter to QPR on Tuesday on Sunday. She couldn't move around and much, much more enjoys the uh, the uh, non-league game. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, hopefully, the press take it on a little bit more. Um, some big games, as you said, in the in the local area this weekend. But I think it's a really, I do find it a little bit patronising non-league day. But after listening to him, um, I think it's something that clearly he's taken on board and made it into a, a, a national event. And I think. Um, He's doing a really good job with it. And I'm sure the next couple of days, there'll be plenty of publicity about it. But again, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't been to an only game, I'll be surprised. But there's plenty of decent games out there. And if those lovely ladies at Ramsgate enjoy their Prosecco, because I know, I know a guy I work with and he goes to Ramsgate now. His kids go and he really enjoys it. And um, he said that he really enjoys talking to the players and things like that. And he's got that from the community feel. And there's a lot of community clubs out there and, it should be a, a good weekend, but make sure non-league non-league football is just for is not just for Christmas. It's every day. I remember once I was going to cover a game on non-league day, and I was chatting to my mum about it, and she said, "I saw what it's just like. They just have a kick around, do they?" Like I, I think to her, non-league meant they didn't have organised fixtures. Uh, so I had to kind of explain to her, no, mum, it's like just outside the the, the football league. And, and I think, you know, I, I think if there is anything patronising about it, it comes from people who come with the wrong attitude to these games of, oh, well, I normally go and watch so-and-so. This won't be a, a, any good. You don't want to embrace the embrace the experience. But, you know, fair play to all the clubs do it, do, doing something and, and offering free or reduced entry to, to supporters from higher levels and giving them the opportunity. And I think, you know, that... As, as he said, as you said, there's some fantastic games kicking about this weekend. So, you know, if, you, if you've if you never been to a game of non-league football, then well done for listening this far to a podcast about non-league football. But Saturday is your opportunity. Uh, I'm going to a game on Saturday. Uh, I will be going up to Rustall to watch Rustall against Sheppard United. I think, Matt, you should take Mrs Gerrard to Ramsgate. Uh, she doesn't like Prosecco. Oh. What does she prefer, Prosecco or football? Uh, neither. <laughs> Okay, you're probably on to a loser there, yeah, aren't exactly. you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, I will take it to a... Well, she's never been to a game in her life. And I, I don't, well, I don't really think she wants to set, spend in the cold watching football or something there. But yeah, make sure you make the most of it this weekend. Go to games. Um, I, for all the uh, tea in China, all the Prosecco in Ramsgate, very unlikely I'll get my wife to um, go to a game. Yeah, it's not going to be cold, though, is it? It's been lovely, no, it's been the, lovely last, yeah, uh, so the last well, few days. Well, I'm glad really to bring good. the shorts out this weekend. Do you know, I thought about it earlier on. I've been doing a bit of pressure washing this morning, uh, and then I thought to myself, "Oh, I should, 
I should go out for a walk or something. Oh, should I put some shorts on and go out for a walk? And then in the end, I ended up just having a shower and just vegging out all day, writing scripts for bloody podcasts and things like that. Uh, and, and and just cracking on and watching a bit of telly and, you know, just uh, just making the most of not having anything to do here uh, for once. So, yeah, just uh, back to normality tomorrow with a bit of a uh, bit more football work. And then... Uh, has, he, has he been busy on the Seafront Eastbourne the last few days? Don't know. I ain't been out, have I? <laughs> You've had, your, you've had your night out for the week, for the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I think it has been, yeah. My mum and dad tend to go down there and do a bit of people watching every day. And they did say it has been quite busy, but uh, I've not made, I've not ventured very far. I've just been sort of uh, lounging. There were a lot of people walking past when I was doing my pressure washing today. So uh, and, uh, I managed not to soak any of them. Yeah, so I, I, the, I, I love it. Well, I mean, it wouldn't really be a fair fight because I could do it from the first floor balcony. Uh, and just c- cover them all in 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 water. Uh, but. I would be I'd wet myself like literally if <laughs> I did that. I would, I would, that. That's right up my street doing that. But yeah, some people don't. Probably no. don't want. In this day and age, you've got to be careful, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, not the uh, not the best. Um, I've got a, a a slight thing off the telly that I want to bring up uh, very quickly. So there's a program I don't know if I mentioned we watched it before, but it's on Netflix and it's called Love on the Spectrum. Uh, and it's like the Undateables, but it's an Australian version. Um, Anne from Neighbours. Do you remember her, Billy's wife? Anne from Neighbours. She was married to oh, Billy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Girl. yeah. yeah. she's the narrator. Um, right. And, you know, it's a lovely programme about people who've got autism and um, how they're trying to find love and they go on dates and stuff like that. And, you know, it's awkward at times and bits and pieces and everything. But the funniest thing about this program is they like set when they introduce the people, they give they list like their likes and dislikes and their likes and dislikes are a little bit strange. Um, You know, you get things like, oh, likes the sounds of birds tweeting and stuff like that. And there was one and I'm not kidding you. This was on the first episode of the second series of Love and the Spectrum. And. I reckon if I said to you, Matt, if, if you can tell me what this bloke, I think his name was Tom, what his number one thing that he liked was, I reckon if I said to you, I'll give you a million quid, you wouldn't get it. Because Tom said that he likes scratching the itch of a dog. All right. That's his, that's his, that's his. That's thing, the one thing he likes doing. Well, first of all, how does he know if the dog is itchy anyway? And second of all, what a, you know, they said to you, what are three things that you like? Or, can't tell you what, I love scratching dogs. <laughs> um, well, each to their own, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, it's a lovely, it's a lovely program, actually. Really nice, uh, nice, nice characters on it. And uh, nice to see people getting out and, and being happy uh, and enjoying. So I've also, Matt, the last two days, I've been watching something that I know you've watched. Because I'm home alone this week, so I thought I'd just watch something different. So I've been watching Stranger Things. You enjoy it? I mean, I'm well. I've I've watched the whole first series. I just I think I'm two episodes into the second, and I've only started that's watching good. it. I think, back as well. I think it's back in May. Is it something like yeah, that? So yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll be we'll be watching that a great deal. Yeah, that's good. I quite I'm not really into this sort of sci-fi thing, but that's a a good program. It's quite funny in places and. It's very well done. It's very, yeah, very yeah. well done. So, yeah, I've, I've even got a Stranger Things t-shirt, John, so that shows how much I like it. 
Wow, that is, you are a big fan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so it wasn't the most expensive teacher, but I occasionally <laughs> wear my just to be uh, hip and trendy with the kids. That's all. Absolutely. Uh, that's pretty much well, it. One thing I've watched this weekend. Go on. Um, uh, documentary about Brian Robson. <laughs> that's how exciting my girl gets. Wow. Which is on Amazon. Yeah. Nice. I, I, I might have to watch that. They, don't, they have a lot of good sport documentaries on Amazon, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So well, you've seen the Shane Warne one, have you? I haven't watched it yet, but obviously I will do. Yeah, you need to uh, watch that. That's really good. Again, recent events. Uh, Brian Robson one. Yeah, there's there's some really good stuff on there. So, and and rather than um, things I am watching about the Nazis on BBC Two as well. So brings back my history A level. So that's another thing. But apart from that, and it's what two minutes past nine. Oh cross, so yeah. Start, and I start getting a bit, bit a a bit tired, so I will be off to oh, bed. There's probably about Marlon Brando on the telly, but it's just a bit weird. So I'm definitely going to bed in a minute. Yeah, understandable. Uh, of course, this week's show, Matt, you know what was unique about this? Uh, no. Three of our four interviewees had the same first name. Which was? James. Oh. James Parmenter. I'm assuming that's what he was christened. Trevor uh, James Parmenter. Ah, uh, well, let's forget about that. Um, James Rogers. James Doe from Non-League Day. And Richard Dimmick's let the side down a little bit there, really, hasn't he? He has, yes. He's but I've got that. now you said that I've got something to end the show with, haven't I? Well, I'm, I wonder what it will be because you're not predictable at all, are you? Anyway, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Search for Kent Only Podcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter at John Phipps 81. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Thanks to uh, all, all four of our guests there, the three Jameses and uh, well, Big Richard as well for joining us uh, on this week's show, for giving up their time. We do always, always appreciate our guests. And thank you, of course, to our listeners, because we appreciate you even more, because this show would be absolutely nothing without any of you. I hope you all have a good week. Enjoy non-league day. Give your mums a hug because it's Mother's Day. And we'll speak to you all next week on the Kent Only podcast. I'll sit down, I'll sit down. Sit down next to me. I see you sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, in sympathy. In sympathy. Do you know what? It should be. I'll go lie down because it's gone nine o'clock. Right. Anyway, see you later, mate. See you next week.